I think I definitely mentioned like what it's like for me being a woman STEM because like I feel like a lot of the time I've just like experienced a lot I've had a lot of experiences where there's a lot of bias towards me like negative bias towards me like the only woman on the team no but I definitely had like a lot of very like condescending moments from certain guys like even though like I was a captain people would be like oh that's not how you use a wrench and I'd be like first of all that's like the easiest thing to do second of all like I think I would probably know if I'm the captain of the robotics team how to use a wrench Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Isabel. So if you could introduce yourself. Um, Yeah. Hi, I'm Isabel. I'm from DC and I'm a sophomore at Cornell majoring in mechanical engineering and minoring in French. All right. So let's start from the very beginning. What were your expectations going into high school with college? Were you expecting to apply to like top universities and hopefully place in one of them? Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely went in, like, not really knowing that much about the admissions process, but I think around maybe probably, like, sophomore year of high school, I started deciding, like, like, figuring out where I wanted to apply and what I wanted to, like, follow as a career path in life, so I started looking at, like, what sort of majors would relate to that, so that's how I kind of, like, found, like, schools like Cornell or, like, top-tier engineering universities, because, like, sometimes in the workforce, like, the degree kind of matters a little bit, because, like connections and stuff like that okay and let's start from like the actual high school you go to can you describe the you know the high school you went to was it public private and did it offer those advanced like ap ib honors courses yeah so i went to school without walls high school in dc it's a public magnet high school so it's a public school but you have to apply to it so it's a little bit selective um and they did, but it's actually humanities-based high school, so they didn't really have that many STEM classes, as many as I would have wanted. So I did take um, a lot of APs, but they were mostly humanities-based, only a couple of STEM-focused AP classes. Okay, so if you, I mean, you're mechanical engineering now, if your school was a humanities school and they concentrated in the humanities, how did you figure out, I guess you were more of a STEM person? Like, where were you given the opportunity to show that interest? Um, well, I always just really liked math way more than anything. So I was like, I guess like just a stronger STEM student in general, but also with the, like, I, I joined the robotics club. So that's where I found specifically what I wanted to do. Cause I was like, I really like robotics. I'm having a great time with the club. So I kind of wanted to like do that as a career. So that's how I decided like specifically what major I wanted to do. So let's quickly get to your like grades and like standardized test scores, and then we'll go into like the extracurriculars that you did. So in the end, how many APs did you take throughout high school? I took 13 AP exams, but only took 11 classes, like AP classes. So you self-studied for two of them? Um, yeah, technically. I mean, one of them, there were both language APs. One of them was Spanish, and I'm a native speaker. So I just took that, and um, I took French as well, and I... The reason I wasn't in the class was just because it didn't fit into my schedule, but I was taking it. Like, I guess I did technically self-study for it. I was just taking an after-school class at GW University. Mm, How many classes did you take at GW? I took four because my high school is, like, School Without Walls is on GW's campus. So they offer sort of, like, they offer the option to take classes through their um, 
through them. So I took, I did three French classes and one math class there. And were you hoping to earn, like, regardless of which school you went to, were you hoping to earn college credit to like meet some sort of requirement? Um, I was, I wasn't really doing, like taking the classes with the intent of, um, like using that credit in college. It was more so just for me because mainly the reason I was taking French was, like I said, it didn't fit into my schedule anymore. So I just, I really enjoy French and that's why I'm minoring in it. So that's why I wanted to be able to like keep taking it, even though I couldn't take the class at my high school. Okay. And one thing when you're a high school and not just for you, but when your high school is affiliated with some sort of college or university, when you, if you do apply to that school, does it give you an advantage in the process when you apply to that school? Um, a little bit. Well, they, like there was the program that I did, which is like a couple of classes through GW, but there was this other program where it's like your junior and senior year, you do it fully at George Washington University. So you're graduating high school with your high school diploma and an associate's degree from George Washington. So that one gives you way more preference than the one I did because the one I did doesn't really, like it helps you get a few credits out of the way, but the other program, they kind of want the people who are graduating with an associate's degree from GW to still continue at GW. And another quick question. So when you're at, if you're at GW and let's say you do your junior and senior, you're completely at GW. If you get accepted and decide to go, do you still do a four-year bachelor's there or are you just doing two years after high school? Um, well, it sort of depends. So I actually know a couple of people who stayed at, who like from my year who stayed at GW. Um, some of them, yeah, they only stay two more years because they already did the first two years. Mm-hmm. But some other people, since they, they weren't, they didn't like I think I have a friend that I know she did the program and she didn't really know that she wanted to like first of all stay at GW for the rest of her college career and she also didn't know what she wanted to major in yet so she hadn't gotten like all the like intro level credits for her major that she's currently studying so I think she's gonna stay like like a few more years like she's not gonna finish in two years she could probably finish in I think three years mm-hmm. Oh, that's incredible though. Okay. So yeah. yeah. in the end, what did your GPA come out to be both the unweighted, which is at a 4.0 and then the weighted, which is whatever skill that your school used? Um, well, I actually don't know because, because of COVID, i never really actually got my, my like full report card back. So I don't know my actual GPA for like all of high school, but like as of junior year, I had a like a three point, like three point eight, nine unweighted and 4.31 weighted, but that's just like, that doesn't include my senior year classes. Cause I like never got my report card. So I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Well, so if you didn't get your report card, did they just send out the junior year GPAs to your college? No, they, they sent, like, I know my school sent um, Cornell, like they sent them my stats from like senior year. They just never sent it to me. Cause they usually like your official report card comes in the mail. So I never got, it mailed to me okay but we know it was good enough for cornell yeah <laughs> okay okay so let's go into sat act just walk me through like when did you start preparing what preparations did you do and then in the end what was your super score that you sent to colleges um so i started preparing like in the beginning of junior year to take the sat because i took it i think the first time i took it was december of junior year and I studied a little bit on Khan Academy, but not as much as I should have. 
I think I was just kind of doing it as like a side thing, just like a couple like multiple choice questions a day, but like not probably definitely not as much as I should have because I definitely did not do as well as I wanted to. But then my school offers an in-school testing SAT day. So it's like on a random Wednesday in March and it's completely paid for, which is really nice. Like I kind of like don't really, like I'm not as like, I don't realize how expensive and like that people actually pay for like the SAT or like APs. Like I, they were all free for me, which is really nice. Did your school waive that? No. So actually the DCPS, the DC public school system pays for um, all APs for students to take like in the public school system, as well as in school SAT testing days. But like the one I took in December, I had to pay for because I it wasn't like an in-school testing day. It was like a regular, like on a Saturday. So like the one that I, the, my in-school one that I took in March, I started studying for in January and I did around like 10 hours of studying a week through this um, like tutoring program. And it significantly raised my score, but like still like it wasn't like, a, it's not like a fabulous score it's like really not amazing it's it was this tutoring um, program offered by your school or was it uh some private no it was a private um program and it was kind of expensive but my dad had heard of it from um one of his colleagues and my dad kind of like when it comes to like school he's like and just like achieving like academically he's he's willing to put in the money he's yeah he's definitely willing to pay so he was like I felt really bad, but he was like, no, I'm paying for this program for you. Like, you're going to get, like, you need to get, I want you to get a good SAT score. So it was like, okay. So yeah, so they're very intense on studying. So it's like, like, so yeah, so it like ends up being 10 hours a week and they send your emails and they're like, remember that you need to like read your, like your goal for today for studying. And then there's like, so it's kind of like on your own, you do video, like Khan Academy style sort of. And then like, there's like once a week I had a session with like a private tutor and we would like go over what I missed and like strategies and stuff. Um, and then I took the SAT again in like June of junior year. And I just self-studied for that like Khan Academy. And then again, I took it in October senior year. And I also self-studied for that. And were the, the last three tests, not the first test, but the last three tests you took, those were all waived by your school? No, just the um the oh, one, the second one the the March the one I took in March and the one I took in October. Okay, because those were both in school testing days. Okay, and what did your super score end up being? Or if you don't mind, can um, you share like the progression of your scores? Yeah. Okay, I think my first one I got a twelve eighty, and then I got a fourteen thirty, and then was the twelve eighty to fourteen thirty after the tutoring program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I got, I can't remember, I think I got like a 1420 on the next one. And the last one I took, I can't remember what I got. But like my super score ended up being a 1440, which is like not that impressive considering I go to Cornell. But like also I feel like that just like goes to show that they really don't care all about stats as like that much, as much as like people think. You did say you were much more of a STEM person. Was it the reading section that stumped you during the test? Um, I actually, my, my super score is split like 720, 720. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So GPA, SAT, um, AP is out of the way. Let's go on to extracurriculars. So I'll let you take it from here. Can you list like the main extracurriculars that you did? And can you talk about the approach you took for extracurriculars? Cause in the American school system, it's really like 
I mean, you need the good grades and stuff, but the extracurriculars mm-hmm. really make your application. So coming yeah. coming into high school, what was your approach with extracurriculars? Did you try out a bunch and then filter it out? Or were you intent on like these few clubs and you're like, I'm just going to stick with them all throughout high school? Um, well, okay. I did like actually like quite a few extracurriculars and I started off high school just doing like what I wanted to, but then sophomore year, I had like a really kind of like not the mindset that you should have for extracurriculars like you should be doing extracurriculars because you want to be doing them but I was kind of like no I have to do like certain ones because I want to like look like this on my application I want to do something like I remember I joined like uh it was like a service like a a community service club like what um I forget what it was but it was like for a nonprofit, sort of like a chapter of it and I was like oh I'm gonna join this because I want to look like a good person on my application which is like not really the approach that people should be having to this um so like my extracurriculars there were I I did robotics like I mentioned and I was captain junior and senior year of high school and then I did Spanish honor society um for three years so I did robotics all of high school and then Spanish honor society I did it my sophomore, junior, and senior year, and I was president. I think my junior and senior year, yeah. And then, as well as that, I did um, in the fall. I played soccer for most. Of, I did varsity soccer for most of high school. I didn't really do it senior year just because I had a lot of time conflicts. Mm-hmm. And then in the spring, starting junior year, I played ultimate frisbee. And then on top of that, I did, like, I kind of, like, was a floater in, like, electric car club and um, the Student Government Association. And then on the weekends, I would volunteer as a tutor um, in this, like, local uh, thing in D.C. Okay, so I want to do a little bit more of a deep dive into at least your main extracurricular. So you mentioned robotics a couple of times. So you said you were captain junior, senior year. And I think with robotics, at least how would they do it at my school? There's like competition. So it's not just a club. There are competitions. You go up to nationals. So can you explain, you know, how far did your team make it? And what was your responsibility as captain? Um, Well, we were actually pretty bad, like a really bad team. We were like under, like I said, it's humanity school. So like really Um, underfunded. And the bad thing is like for robotics, it kind of like, like funding kind of like makes or breaks your team. Like all the good teams have, a lot of money and the bad teams are like pretty poor usually so like we were like on the poorer side so we were really not that good but um like as the cat it was also like we had a pretty small team too but like as captain I was just kind of responsible for like just like delegating tasks and just like organizing people and organizing like the workplace I guess because it can get a little bit crazy because it's like there's like I mean sometimes people just like like I don't know what to do so it's like okay like maybe you could do this or like walk people through so problems that we might be having can you like tell us the different parts of a robotics team because I had a friend she was a senior like last year and she told me she had to stay up like 17 hours straight with her team because they were like programming something for the competition it was like a state or yeah state or county competition or something like that so can you explain like the different parts because Robotics seems like the most intense club that yeah, I have heard was, of in high school. It's pretty intense, but I mean, I didn't. I never stayed up like seventeen hours. I probably would have though, but like 
I, that because yeah the the like adults in charge of the club were very much like we're not gonna stay very late like we want to sleep I don't care if you guys want to keep working we're leaving so you have to leave um but yeah it is definitely really really intense I think like I would say I would usually like it's like it was like an after school commitment like every day during like the actual season so I would stay like every day after school until like as late as I could stay like until I got kicked out of school and then on Saturdays we'd work for like 12 hours maybe sometimes maybe like 10 hours but like we'd still like it was a lot of working and it's like and it was it was pretty fun though like that's a good thing is like it sounds like a lot but if it's like it was really enjoyable for me so I didn't really feel like I was like kind of like endlessly working I felt like more I was like having fun Mm-hmm. And when you were doing robotics, when did you realize that you think of this as like a viable career option or you want to major in it when you go into high school? I mean, into college? Um, I think sort of like maybe my either freshman or sophomore year, because I remember my freshman year, we were like really, really small, like a five person team. And the captain was, he was like the only, he was a junior. So like I kind of like would talk to him about his college process and stuff because I wanted to like learn more so like while I was a sophomore he kind of like walked us through the process because he ended up getting like two full rides to Caltech which was crazy like we were so proud of him so I just like would talk to him about it and um oh yeah so then he was like oh I'm going to Caltech to study mechanical engineering so I was like oh like I want to like learn about that so like I kind of like googled it and was like oh this definitely seems like exactly what we're doing right now in robotics so that would be like cool mm-hmm. to have as a career okay when it comes to the college app you only have a limited amount of space so for college app purposes when you wrote that you did robotics team for all four years of high school what did you write for the colleges to see like what were the main points that you got across because you can't write like paragraphs and paragraphs yeah. like you did. I honestly can't really remember yeah I feel like I just wrote like just kind of like my responsibilities as the captain of the small team and also I think I definitely mentioned like what it's like for me being a woman stem like at some point because like I feel like a lot of the time I've just like experienced a lot I've had a lot of experiences where there's a lot of bias towards me like negative bias towards me like the only woman on the team no but I definitely had like a lot of very like condescending moments from certain guys like even though like I was a captain people would be like oh that's not how you use a wrench and I'd be like first of all that's like the easiest thing to do second of all like I think I would probably know if I'm the captain of the robotics team how to use a wrench Mm -hmm. all right so let's go into your other extracurriculars and the other one I remember was Spanish Honor Society and you were you joined sophomore year but you were already like president your junior year so can you explain how you so quickly climbed up to that position um I don't really know I think well I mean they had like an application because the president the presidents well it was two of them were graduating so they kind of like sent out like an application so I filled it out Mm -hmm. I got the position so yeah (laughs) and what do you do in Spanish honor society or just honor societies in general um well in Spanish honor society we would like, well, because the presidents before me hadn't really done that much, I wasn't really exactly sure what we were supposed to do. But, like, so, for example, like, for Hispanic Heritage Night, we kind of organized, like, a school-wide 
event like not like it was a potluck but like in the sense that like we all brought food for everyone else to have for free so like we had music and like free food um and then we also just like participated in assemblies like international assembly um and just things like that okay and again for college app purposes what did you write when you put spanish honor society um I just mainly wrote, yeah, that I was, like, responsible for, like, organizing, like, school-wide events because, like, that's kind of what we did and, like, just participating or, like, making kind of, like, Hispanic culture more, like, appreciated at at my high school because, like, it was, we were a really small population. So a lot of the times people would just kind of, like, dismiss, not dismiss it, but, like, not really think about it. Like, we used, I remember that, like, for like my first three years of high school during Black History Month, we would like every day would have an like we would have announcements every day. But during Black History Month, every day I have like a fact or like a Black History fact, which I thought was pretty cool. But we never did that for Hispanic Heritage Month, and a lot of the times, like just because the population was so small and like no one really, like, yeah, so no one really like talked about the Hispanic Hispanic culture, especially since like a really big thing in DC, but not at my high school so I kind of like decided to have you know maybe like during Hispanic Heritage Month we had like during like with the announcements we had like the facts every day which was pretty cool mm-hmm. okay okay and last extracurricular you mentioned that I remember was like the main one was a tutoring mm-hmm. company that you worked with so can you explain first of all how you got into that was it like affiliated with your school and then you know how long you did it for and what were your responsibilities like how often would you meet up and stuff like that yeah well it wasn't actually a company it was a non-profit oh no so the non-profit is called the latino student fund and basically it's just you have volunteers come it was volunteer it was always on like saturday mornings i think like nine to twelve i would tutor so it's like the volunteers come and then you get assigned a kid and you just work with them on like the work the like the nonprofit itself has like worksheets to work on so we work on those worksheets or homework if they want to work on it or just like whatever they want they, the kid wants to work on for that session and it's completely free for the families oh wow and what subjects did you tutor on um so the nonprofit does um the worksheets that they have are math um reading comprehension vocab and reading out loud so the reading comprehension is just kind of like like you read a thing and then you answer multiple choice questions about it but then the reading out loud is just kind of like it's like a paragraph or like one or two paragraphs and then you're supposed to like give them a minute to read as much as they can and then like mark where they messed up and kind of like help them mm-hmm. with like pronunciation and things like that okay <laughs> this is the one thing i've always wondered with tutoring like i've never done it myself what happens if you're tutoring and you don't know the answer oh, to it or the yeah subject? i <laughs> yeah i like have that a few times like that has happened to me a few times and like i because I was tutored also and like I feel like it's nice when it's like if you don't know I'm just like I'm sorry I don't know like let's try to work through this together because I still tutor now and now now I do like private tutoring myself but like I feel like it's just like it's nice to like kind of like remind the the kid like the, the, the person you're tutoring but like you're also a human like you don't know everything so like I don't know because especially when I was tutored I felt like Uh, like I felt like the person who was touring me was like kind of condescending a little bit and like oh like you don't know that like why wouldn't you know that Mm -hmm. so it's like it's nice to be like 
okay they don't like i don't know it they don't know it then it's like okay like it's like i'm not stupid yeah okay okay and how, how long did you do this tutoring for um i did it kind of like on and off um sophomore junior like the end of sophomore year and junior year beginning of senior year all right all right so i think we went over like at least the main extracurriculars that you did that you mentioned to us oh you also did soccer mm-hmm. that's pretty self-explanatory it's just like yeah. sport right okay yeah. so and i have a question when you do these like extracurriculars obviously there are some that are much more important or take more of your time than others like the three that we kind of went over with the smaller extracurriculars that you like maybe attend a club meeting and such do you bother to put those on your application um I mean, I feel like I would only put them on my application if I felt if I felt like I contributed something because like there's always like write your extracurricular and then you have to like write what it is, what like position you held, and then also like what you did. So if I just went to meetings and didn't actually do anything, I feel like that's not worth it. It looks like I'm just putting it on to put it on. Mm-hmm. So like only if it's like like I am contributing actively to the clubs and I would put it on the application. And I think there's 10 spaces, right? Like a limit of 10 extracurriculars. How many of the spaces did you end up filling out? I have no idea. I cannot remember. <laughs> Maybe 10. I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. I have no clue. I have no clue. Okay, so let's move on to number one, the colleges that you decided to apply to, and then we can get on to the actual application. So you said that you started, what was it, sophomore year, looking at the different colleges that you wanted to apply to. So what were the things that you were looking for in colleges and how did you narrow down your list? Um, well, I think, first of all, I was looking at like kind of like ranking, like how good the, the program, like the mechanical engineering program actually was. But then also I was looking at like size and location because I didn't want to be too far from home just in case like like for me, just like if there's like an emergency or something, I like to be within like like a day's drive maybe or something. Like I'm even like closer than that. But like just like if anything does happen, then I could just like call my parents and they could come up like ASAP and they don't have to like fly or anything. Um, so yeah, it's like that distance. And I, at first, I initially thought size was an issue. Like I wanted a small school, but Cornell is not a small school. So clearly that did not really matter that much to me um but yeah mainly that's it mm-hmm. and was cost an issue for you or were you given financial freedom to apply to these like top schools yeah or well i mean like i said like my dad when it comes to academics he's like willing to put in the money so he said like my parents were like don't don't worry about the cost like we'll deal with that you just like deal with getting into the actual schools okay and what are the schools that you eventually did apply to like can you give us a list of them um well cornell mit carnegie mellon bucknell lehigh rochester institute of technology wpi what's wpi um worcester polytech institute purdue georgia tech northwestern I think I'm seeing one. Well, and then like five abroad. abroad. No, six abroad. Six abroad. Yes. Why did you apply to abroad? Where was it in Europe? Um, yeah. Well, one in Mexico, which is just the school that my dad went to, just because. Um, and then I applied to Edinburgh 
in Scotland, Glasgow in Scotland. Um, Why were you interested in going to international schools? I don't know. It just was appealing. It just sounded cool. I just wanted, you know, because also I think degrees are shorter there. It's three years instead of four years. So I wanted to check that out, but I, I didn't. It's much cheaper there too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I also applied to Cam- yeah, Cambridge, Southampton, and one other one, which I forgot. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go into College App and then we can see which schools you got accepted, deferred, and rejected from. So did you apply Common App besides international schools, the ones in the U.S.? Did you apply Common App to all of them? Except MIT, because MIT doesn't take the Common App. Uh, okay. So... Can you tell us about what you like wrote your big 600, I always forget, 600, 650 word like personal statement, you know, which topic or question did you choose and what did you end up writing about? Um, I chose like, I think the last prompt, which is just from what I remember is just write whatever you want to write. How I do think, you approach that? It's, it doesn't uh, literally mean write anything. Yeah. Like I think like, like if you want to write, like, I don't know, like, submit an essay that you wrote for a class you could do that because I yeah so I just I wrote about um this basically my experience going because my family's from Mexico and just writing about my experience like how every summer I just like we kind of like there's just like something like it's just like honestly it's like hard it's so hard to explain but like just like how we like my relationship with my my family in Mexico and stuff that we do together so like every summer you would visit Mexico Mm-hmm. and was there like a I guess would you say like a point or like a central theme that you got across in your application um well I guess like kind of like what I talked about was how like despite everything in like where my grandparents live despite it all because I like I talked about like it's visiting my, my grandparents and my cousins despite like the whole area changing and like urbanizing a little bit more and just like change like environmentally and stuff like that, how we still always do the same thing. Like we always, every summer, like all the time we would, there's like a 7-Eleven like across, like, like around in the area. So every single time, every single summer, we always have like a route that we take to 7-Eleven. So I just like talked about how we like, like every single time we visit it, we do the same trip, but like, mm-hmm even though everything's changing, we still like do the same thing. So it's like continuous, even though the environment's changing. Mm-hmm. And let's see, can you quickly talk about the MIT application? Like, I don't know if you got accepted, deferred or rejected from MIT, but can you describe the um, application MIT has? Like, how does it differ from the traditional personal statement with a few supplemental essays? Um, so they have, six 250 word essays oh okay or so i guess like not essays like little paragraphs mm-hmm. or no well no okay actually no it's not six 250 it's six essays total and i think it's like three 150 three 250 they don't have one big essay no it's just a bunch of little small ones and what, what are those small ones about is it like why mit um, and stuff yeah, there's one like why MIT. There's like talk about like your your cultural background or not your culture, just your background as a person. So it could be I took it like culturally, but it's like they say like culturally, like where like 
racially, ethnic, like whatever you want, you interpret your background to be that you want to talk about. And I think like one of them is like, like a hobby you have. Um, yeah, I can't really rem- remember, but like. So it's just like about yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And in terms of the schools that you did apply to, what was your like number one dream school that you really wanted to go to? MIT. Yeah. MIT but was I'm your actually, I'm, Yeah. But I'm actually so glad I got deferred and then I got rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so excited when I got deferred because I was like, at least I'm not rejected. Like I'd rather, I'd, so I was really happy about that, but I got rejected and I didn't, I wasn't really that bummed out because it was like, it was already like so up there, like unachievable that I was like, not really, I was like, okay, I, like before the application, like MIT was like up here, but like now that I applied and I got rejected, it's still like up there, like nothing changed about it. Like I still like, it's still kind of like unattainable. Where, where did Cornell fall on your list of schools? I think it was my second choice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So which schools did you get accepted, deferred, and rejected from? Um, I got accepted everywhere except for MIT, like I said, and I got waitlisted at Carnegie Mellon. So, okay. And then did you get off the waitlist at Carnegie Mellon? Um, well, like, no, because there was like um, a part there. I had to like kind of like, to accept my spot on the wait list, I had to kind of like do this extra thing and I was feeling really lazy and Cornell was like a higher priority than Carnegie Mellon. And then also I was having like a, a struggle figuring out where I wanted to go anyway. So I was like, I'd rather not create more options mm-hmm. and just like deal, like try to figure it out from what I have right now. How did you feel when you got accepted into Cornell? Um, I was really excited yeah, I was so, I was like shocked because I also just, because I got a, a likely letter and I wasn't expecting it. It was actually March the 13th. So like the day that like everything shut down, like for COVID. Oh. So I was just like, I was coming home from, from something and I like always check my emails. So I was like checking my emails and I'd been getting a bunch of emails from Cornell saying like, we need your SAT scores. Like, please send them because I needed to send them through the college board. So I'd been getting a lot, like, it was, like, the, um, the per, like, the email who sent it always said, like, from Cornell Admissions, like, please send your SAT scores. So then I, so it was, like, another email from them, and I was, like, opened it, expecting it to be, like, please send your SAT scores, and it was, like, um, like, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to offer you admission to Cornell Engineering. It's, like, what? Like, I, I did, like, this is not what I was expecting to be reading right now. Wait, so I... I've heard of this likely letter thing and I interviewed a girl from Duke who also got a likely letter. How likely are these likely letters? Like how common are they? How I don't know how common they are. Uh, but like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how many, to how many people they send it to, but like, I know that like for some of them, it's like some of the letters are kind of like a little bit vague and they're like, they're saying like, they say like one of my likely letters said like your odds are looking good so it's not like like you're guaranteed to come get in but it's like you're probably gonna get in but like the cornell was like we're going to like we are going to offer you admissions so just like yeah so that was exciting so did you get into cornell without even sending your sat score i think well because if you thought it was another email well the first because they sent like several send your SAT scores and the first yeah. email that they sent, I immediately sent them. Cause it was like, I don't, I don't want them to get lost or anything. Cause they take a long time 
Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like a whole process, like from the college board to like get to Cornell officially, it's a long process. So as soon as I got my first email, I sent it to them, but they kept on sending me emails because I guess they hadn't gotten them yet. Because it does take like like a couple of like or more than a couple of days. Like I want to say like five to seven days or something. I don't know how long it takes, but it's not like like super easy, like a one day thing. Like it takes a while. So like they had still been like every two or three three days sending me an email saying like please send your SAT scores. Mm-hmm. So I guess like they got them and yeah. and then you got in. Okay, so you're in Cornell. Can you tell us a little bit about Cornell as a school? Like how big is it? Where is it located? And are there any? Obviously, it's an Ivy, so like it's good at a lot of things. But are there any special <laughs> programs that Cornell has that people come specifically for to Cornell for? Yeah, so Cornell is um, we have. 1500 undergrad i believe yeah 1500 um so it's like it's the the biggest ivy you mean 15,000 yeah what did i say 1500 1500 15,000 yes oh is yeah 15,000 yeah yeah not 1500 yeah and it says the biggest ivy um and um yeah so it's located in ithaca new york so it's like upstate new york and it's a really nice area like it's really really kind of in the middle of nowhere but there's like a little town so it's not that isolated how far are you from new york city like if you want to go with your um, friends for the weekend maybe like two or three hours driving so it's kind of like not as close as you would think like i felt like it should have been closer but it's not Mm -hmm. um and yeah like one of the the like the better like some of the better programs like a good programs here like is um the hotel school which is like one of the best hotel schools in the country i mean the world and it's just like hotel administration um, like how to run yeah. a hotel yeah like hotel management yeah um yeah because there's only very few um, hotel management schools in the world so cornell is like one of the best because there's so, so few um there's also the engineering the school of engineering um is the best of out of all the ivies um so yeah, so that's another good thing that Corn- like something Cornell's good at. Um, I think also there's a lot of like something like another like side of Cornell that a lot of people don't know is that part of it is technically like a New York State school because some like some like some part of the school is like land grant. So like some of the colleges, for example international um industrial labor relations um call it the college of agriculture and life sciences the college of human ecology and the college of architecture art and planning those are all state schools so they're obviously like it's cheaper and they have to accept like a certain number of new york state residents as well as like they would they get um cheaper tuition because it's a state school so they get in-state tuition is it still as selective as Cornell usually is, or do they have a higher acceptance rate? Um, I would, yeah, I would say it is as selective, just like oh. slightly less selective for New York State residents, just because like they have like I think it's like twenty five percent of their their population for like each of these colleges has to be um, New York State residents. Mm-hmm. Well, that's incredible to go to Cornell with like state level tuition. Oh, but those are yeah. very like niche interests that you need. Yeah, to have. Not very yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so I guess we can move on to your experience. Obviously, you came in in a COVID year and still COVID because you're a sophomore now. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about how Cornell, Cornell, Cornell handled the COVID situation? How were they with like communication, making sure students got what they needed with like the housing and stuff with testing, all of that? Like was Cornell a big mess or were they one of the more organized schools? Cause I've heard of yeah. a lot of like kind of horror stories with COVID. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard of those too, but yeah, no, Cornell definitely did a really good job. Um, actually, when I was arriving on campus for the first time, we all had to get, everyone had to get tested when we arrived the first when time. When did you arrive? Was but, it fall freshman um, year? Yeah, fall freshman year. Because I was on, like, we could, we, I had some on, like, in-person classes, like, but very small ones. But yeah, so, like, when, when I was getting there to get my testing, my test, my COVID test, the, one of the ladies was like, like, we're the only IV open, so let's make sure we keep it that way. And we did. I was so afraid that we were gonna mess up, and because like, we already are like get a lot of hate from the other IVs, so I was like afraid we were gonna get even more hate because we couldn't even keep ourselves open. Why, why do you guys did. keep hate? Why do you guys get hate from the other IVs? Um, well, because of the state school aspect, I think, which mm-hmm. kind of like a little bit of like prejudice against like state schools. Like, oh, like state schools are like not as good as private institutions, which like obviously isn't true. So there's that, and also. Like, because it's such a big school, it can be viewed as, like, less selective. Because, like, Brown is, like, tiny and it's, like, really low acceptance rate. And, like, so is Harvard. Like, all the other Ivies are really small and have really low acceptance rates. But so does Cornell. But, like, we're just, like, a larger school. Um, So, yeah. So I was, like, super worried that we weren't going to be able to do it. But we definitely, we did. We had COVID tests twice, like, mandatory COVID tests twice a week. Like, if you didn't go, you'd get like locked out of canvas so like you couldn't do your assignments or like go to class or anything like on zoom um and then we had to do um like every morning do like a daily check so like are you like you have a fever like are you feeling well have you been in contact with anyone that has covid um and then also they did like a really good job at handling like um contact tracing so like people who had covid and like they're like immediate bubble kind of like all quarantining them because since we have a hotel on campus, like since we have like the the hotel management school, we also have like an actual hotel on campus, which like belongs to Cornell. Mm-hmm. So we kind of could just like put people there, which I think like thinking back, I think it's really nice that we had the hotel because I feel like a lot of schools weren't able to like quarantine as effectively because they had to pay for the, uh, the other hotels, but like we have one. So we don't have to like, pay for it, it save, save money yeah yeah so i feel like because they weren't like worried about cost it's mm-hmm. just like let's quarantine as many people as we we need to were you ever quarantined no okay i okay. survived the pandemic without getting covid and one more thing like not one more thing but how did i don't know if this is just me but like every time i saw the news like this was like earlier days like we were like at the peak of COVID and, you know, colleges were like a mess. They were showing how like a lot of the students, the colleges weren't even providing them like good dorms or like food and such and like contact and stuff like that. Like the quarantine situation was bad. How was it for Cornell students? Um, Well, the food definitely sucked. Like even like the quarantine food and the regular food was really bad. And I cannot explain why, like, I don't understand why 
that had to be the case like I truly can't wrap my head around it like why during a pandemic food quality goes down I don't understand but yeah but like definitely like the quarantine meals we would call them because they were the meals that they give you during quarantine were really bad because I you had to get them if you're quarantined like because you had COVID you had them but also like when we arrived on campus we had to quarantine for a few days Mm -hmm. and we got those meals and they were really bad and I don't know why. And did Cornell stay open throughout the entire pandemic? Um, I was going to say yes, but actually no. We first semester after Thanksgiving break, we just stayed online for like two more weeks. And then so we did like the first chunk of, of fall semester in person, like everyone on campus. But during Thanksgiving break, everyone went home and just did the rest of the semester online. But then the spring, it was all all not all in person because we had online classes but like all on campus Mm -hmm. that's great like again i interviewed someone from brown someone from wisconsin madison you you know them but they were like it was horrible how they handled it that's good that your school handled it well okay so one more thing i want to talk about before we wrap up here is cornell's i guess we can say curriculum a lot of you know for example brown is absolutely like free reign there barely yeah. have any like core requirements or general requirements can you tell us about how cornell structures their requirements you know how much is there how much freedom do you have as a student well as an engineer i really don't have that much freedom which is like i mean i think it's not just the cornell thing it's like a universal thing you, like engineering it's just like a more regular rigor, rigorous sorry rigorous um, major so there's like in general less freedom but i know like a lot of my friends that who aren't engineers definitely like have more space in their schedules to just take classes they enjoy and just like random classes and i kind of like have a little bit of that freedom because i do have to like fulfill um it's called the liberal studies requirement which is just like i have to take liberal arts classes just to like kind of like balance out my major and i'm not just like a full stem like some Mm-hmm. Wait, does everybody so, have that liberal requirement or is it like humanities ha- kids have like a STEM requirement that they need to do? Um, I think at least for the College of Arts and Sciences, they do have like a STEM requirement and math requirement, like a requirement, like I guess like the basic subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not really sure about other schools. I mean, I think they definitely do like have like the other colleges. I think they definitely do have like probably like math requirements and like English requirements and stuff like that. Okay. Anything else you want to add on? I mean, because you're only a sophomore, you don't even. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know that much. Oh, and I've you said earlier you minored in French. How did like when you minor or major in a language? What do you learn? Do you not just learn like the language, but the culture of the people as well? Um. So for my minor or like the classes that I I'm done taking like language classes. Like now I'm just taking right now I'm taking literature course. And I think I have, like, a, my next class is maybe going to be, like, a history course, but it's all in French. So it's, like, like French literature in French. Um, and then I also, I'm going to study abroad, so, like, that's going to count towards my minor, too. So When are you going to study abroad? I think not spring 2022, so, like, not this spring, but next spring, spring 2023. Wow, that sounds so fun. And yeah. is it, like, mandatory for you to study abroad if you are... Oh, no, it's just no, it's just a choice of mine. I just really want to visit France. So, Okay, so I guess we can wrap up here. 
again, you've only been through a little bit of college and it was COVID college, so there's not much to share. So at the end of every every episode, I do advice. So one piece of advice for high schoolers, this can be anything, general life advice, something specific to the college app, extracurriculars, SAT, ACT, whatever you want it to be. And then if you do have any advice for incoming college students, you can share that as well. So one for high school. And if you have something for college students, share that as well. Um. I think for high school, definitely, probably, like, hmm, I guess, like, in terms of, like, college admissions process, maybe start looking a little er a little earlier than you think, because a lot of the times, you, there's some, like, hidden requirements that you might not know of until your senior year, and then it's too late, because you can't, like, take the one class that you need to take, or, like, the one test or something, and then for incoming uh, college students, definitely, like, plan out your major because you don't want to like barely like not graduate because you missed this one class that you didn't take your freshman year or something okay so thank you for coming on isabel i hope you have a good evening yep okay Okay. thank you you too yep bye-bye bye That's it for my interview with Isabel. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you subscribe. Also, make sure to check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com, for more college-related content. Next week, I'll be releasing an episode with Margarita from Brown University. You do not want to miss that. I hope to see you then.